Hey everyone, I'm your host Angelica and welcome to the Bring Back Femininity Podcast where we educate and empower women how to tap into their secret superpowers and get everything they want out of life. Thank you for listening. All right. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the Bring Back Femininity podcast. I am with here with my fiance, Michael Chillo. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we always have like the biggest smiles on our faces when we talk. It's always like a really awkward start, too. I know. So we finally fixed Mike's microphone. I know a lot of you guys messaged me saying that when you guys were listening to the podcast, when it came to my turn, you guys had to lower down the volume. And then when it came to his turn, you guys had to raise the volume had to, uh the the microphone was literally turned around okay so figured it out yeah we figured it <laughs> out now and enzo is already asking for attention perfect okay so i know i know so i know in the first episode we talked about like my background who i was how i got started and then mike was just asking me the questions and then mike is here now and he's doing the podcast with me. And a lot of you guys are like, okay, well, we don't know a lot about Mike. He kind of just comes on here. He says what he says, but it's like, what's his story? How did he get here? And many of the male listeners are probably like, well, he probably was born into money or something, or he's just a jerk and he's acting this way. But Mike has such a beautiful story, guys. And I just wanted to take this episode to kind of tell his story. I know you guys know my story. I worked bottle service. My parents are separated, all of that stuff. But let's get to know Mike. And I also want to talk about, I know a lot of you guys have been asking about our faith and our walk with God and our relationship with God. So I want to dedicate this episode to that. So Mike... Let's hear your beautiful story. I'm always in so like in such an owie when you tell this story because it's so beautiful. And I just want people to relate to you more. I want the male listeners to relate to you more. So let's get into it. I want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I listen to myself uh, when I'll, you know, I want to see how these podcasts sound after we're done. And like two days later, three days later at the gym. And I'm like, wow, this guy is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's important, like you said, to know kind of my pat, my background and, and my past, because I think it makes me more... Uh, more relatable. More relatable, yeah. You know, it's not kind of like, okay, he was always this way. He was raised this way. It's like, no, there was a lot of up and downs. And I feel so bad when you, when you say, wow, I sound like such a jerk. I was like, yeah, but if people knew the real you... You know, it'll make such a big difference. So yeah. that's what we wanted to do this episode. Yeah, so I'm 32. Uh, I was raised in uh, the East Bay area of San Francisco, California. I lived there until I was about 20. And to be honest with you, I was not the most popular kid in high school by any means. I was tall, kind of awkward, skinny. And, you know, in that time period, I got... Uh, heavily addicted to Oxycontin when I was about 17, 18 years old. I think it was just dealing with a lot of dysfunction at the house and 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 everything going on there. Um, you know, my sister is schizophrenic and that caused a lot of issues just growing up. And, you know, she, um, yeah, there was just a lot of problems and it, it kind of, spread that into a lot of problems with my parents and it really just made me never want to be home. So 
I went and tried to numb that pain by, you know, just using drugs. And I was, I mean, a total mess. I was totally lost. I was using every single day. Um, like a, uh, this is when like Oxycontin was really big and, you know, maybe somebody that was using a lot might, might do like 80 milligrams a day mm-hmm. that would cost maybe 40 to $50 a pill. I was on about 400 milligrams a day. Wow. And the, you know, the, re, the way that happened is I was working and would buy a pill and then I, I met this hook, you know, on the other side of the hill, literally mm-hmm. in Antioch, California, like a... Not not the best area, uh, or I mean, there's parts of it that are okay, but not the best area. And uh, I met a guy that would sell it for like $20 less than what where it was going where I was from, which was not by any means like an upper scale area, but like a middle class area. I grew up middle class, normal family, whatever. And kind of got the hook and then just started selling to my friends. And before you knew it, I was selling 100 pills every other day. And I was making... So you started off using and then you started off selling. Using more recreationally, like let's say starting off on just the weekends, right? Like, cause I went, I remember I hung out with all the jocks growing up, even though I wasn't the most popular, I hung out with the popular kids, right? And how, and how old were you? This is all when I was like 17, 16. And I was just, it was the first time I had felt good in a long, long time. Because you, you, you know you had so many problems at home, so you yeah, resulted just, into the. I was unhappy, yeah. confused. You know, I just, I was just a confused young boy. I didn't, I didn't, you know, know how to deal with my own problems. So that was a great way to deal with them. To be honest with you, it was very easy. Just snort a pill or smoke a pill, and uh, you'd feel great. So I got really into that. I started selling drugs. I was that lasted for maybe two years of me being heavily addicted. And up until I was about 20. And in the same weekend, uh, my girlfriend left me. I lost my job. My parents found out all on the same weekend. And it was this big wake-up call where I'm like, okay, I need to get my shit together. So I ended up going to AA and Alcoholics Anonymous. And although I wasn't like per se an alcoholic, it's still a great place to get sober off of drugs or alcohol. So I met a big new group of friends, um, all sober, and that was the first time I kind of found God. And, you know, got completely sober, uh, did the 12 steps, which are based on Christian principles, and my com- my life completely transformed. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being more at peace and more filled with love than I had ever been my entire life. And as my life started to get healed, I then uh, really got into business. I started reading every single business book I could get my hands on because my dad uh, is a pharmaceutical rep. And back in the day, there were no regulations around uh, taking care of these doctors in order for them to buy more drugs. So they would take them on these lavish trips. And I remember the one trip and I brought you there. Mm -hmm. It was to the Four Seasons in Maui. They had brought all the doctors out there and I was in fifth grade, sixth grade. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, this is everything I want in life. Because I grew up middle class, you know, and I got a taste. It was the first vacation you went with you and your dad. Yeah. And it was like the first time I got a taste of luxury. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, I want this. Yeah. All it takes is is that one 
one situation to kind of like flip your whole attitude. That's why Steve Harvey says like, listen, if you have the chance, go to first class, like just fly first class. Because once you get that taste of luxury, like you're saying, it's like, it's like, how do I always get this? Like, I want more of this. I can't go back to coach. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So I went there and I, and I came back hungry as a kid. And so I read every single book I could get my hands on. I mean, I even started my own business. It was called Renewable Connections and, uh, which failed miserably. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, but uh, the point was, is that I was just trying to, um, it really went from being obsessive with drugs and partying and weed and all that to then becoming uh, obsessive about God. And then I let that go and then became obsessive about money and success. And that was where my head was pretty much my entire 20s, excluding one year. But uh, for this time period from like 21 to 25, I mean, I was reading every book I could get my hands on. Uh, and I ended up working for a company. I had to move to Denver. I got my first job doing uh, cold call uh, selling. And so I was cold calling for a software company and selling. So they flew me out to Denver. I lived there for two years. And I mean, I was making, I think the first year I made 30 grand. I made, mm-hmm. you know, very little. The next year, I think I made 160. And then the next year after that, I made uh 320. And then at the last year I was there, I was uh, upwards of $360,000 a year. And I was... 24 without a college education and I was just a grinder. I mean, I was working 12 hour days. Like you see me now, you know, just same thing, just working hard. And I just wanted to make that money. And I put all my time and effort into that and kind of, uh, money kind of became God to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be successful. And with that came a lot of arrogance. I was very full of myself. I thought my, you know, my, my shit didn't stink. And then, um, I was humbled big time. Because right around the age of 24, I lost everything again. So it wasn't due to drugs this time. It was just due to unfortunate circumstances with the person I worked with, um, or worked for rather, who uh, happened to be family and did me dirty. I mean, I can say that all these years later, like, and I'm really, you know me, like I'm, I'm always one to take blame. Always. And I'm, I'm humble enough to say, yeah, like I screwed up in that scenario. But in this scenario, he was just, um, just selfish, selfish, bipolar, greedy. He was just all the wrong things that you, he taught me as uh, how I'm a leader today. He taught me all the things not to be. So I'm grateful for that. But he screwed me over and I went from making, again, I was at like 360 a year, something like that and down to zero. So I had a condo in San Diego, lost it. I uh, had a girlfriend at the time. She left me. I had to move back in with my parents in California and I went from making that kind of money, driving a $100,000 car, living in a, a million-dollar condo on the ocean in San Diego to $40,000 in debt and completely lost my identity. I didn't even know who I was. Yeah. And I remember there was this moment where, I mean, I'm feeling like a nobody. I was like flaunting on social media back then and posting my car, posting my watch and all that. I just thought I was so cool to basically disappearing off of social media because I was so ashamed of myself and so embarrassed of what had happened to me. So I move in with my parents, which was obviously like in and of itself as a man, very uh, demasculating. And, and uh, what I decided to do is I I stumbled into the church, you know, and uh, uh, new life church, shout out uh, in Alamo. I think they're in Dublin now. Mike loves to give shout outs. If you guys haven't (laughs) noticed, like any chance he gets, (laughs) I'll shout them all out. But I went there and I remember, my soul had been so dead on the inside for so long 
that when I walked in there, they were doing a worship song and it just felt like my whole soul was lifted up like 10 levels Mm -hmm. and my soul was like smiling on the inside. And I just was like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing. Mm -hmm. And... Anyway, so I, I joined the lead, or, or the worship team there. I played guitar. It's like a rock and roll uh, Christian church, you know, to give people perspective. But I ended up playing guitar there for a year and got way back into God again. And it was awesome. And as I did that, I started my first business. And, you know, to put that in perspective for everybody, I did not come from money. I did not uh, have entrepreneur, entrepreneurial parents. So I wasn't really guided in that way. What I was doing was really uh, different than what anybody else I knew was he doing. He was he was basically he's the black sheep black sheep of the family and of my friend group. Like there was nobody like that in that middle class setting that had parents that were also like really wildly successful entrepreneurs. You yeah. know what I mean? Otherwise, you'd be living in a much nicer area. No offense. I mean, the area is fine, but it just wasn't at that level. And so I was completely off on my own. I remember people looking at me saying, oh, good luck. Good luck with that. Like I'd run into people that can totally didn't believe in me at all. And that was, that was cool. That was fine. Um, and as I was doing that, I, I really was, man, I completely lost my train of thought. Well, you, Where said, was that, I you said that you um, got into the worship band and you were playing guitar. Right. That was the second time that you found God. Well, it's funny because the two times I found God were at a low. Yeah. I completely was at a low. Life was destroyed the first time with the drugs. Life was destroyed the second time losing everything financially. So I always turned to God in the moments of darkness, but never during the light. Yeah. And and because God or, or money became my God whenever yeah. whenever I got, you know, drugs or money became God for me when everything was going good. And so things became um well things were very difficult during that year because I was making I was waking up at 5 a.m at my parents' house and in my parents' bedroom. Because when I got screwed by my own family from my last company I worked for, and I'd given my blood, sweat, and tears for four years, I said, no way in hell am I ever gonna work for somebody again. Mm -hmm. And I made that promise to myself. And I said, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long I have to do this, but there's no way I'm ever gonna work for anyone else again. Mm -hmm. So I made 200 cold calls. Cold calls are for people that don't know calling strangers over the phone, businesses over the phone, trying to sell a service, yeah. right? They've no, they have no idea who I am. I'm just literally calling them out of the blue and pitching my services. I'm literally such a Gen Z that when he told me about cold calls, I'm like, what is that? Because <laughs> I didn't grow up. It's I'm like, like a cold email, but it's a phone call. You don't, you don't just like DM them and it's like, no, I'm literally, I have thousands of phone numbers. I'm on the phone and I'm dialing and I'm calling them and I'm speaking them what to want, like the traditional way. Right. That's why they always say traditional way works. It's more personable. Like a telemarketer really and I was telemarketing from the bedroom I grew up in at my parents house acting as if this was some big company that I owned right (laughs) I was just a sales rep part of a big company and fake it till you make it oh I faked it big time all I had was a PowerPoint and a website that I was paying $50 a month for (laughs) I had nothing and so I'm making all these cold calls and for 14 months I didn't make one dollar think about that working 12 hour days for 14 months living at your parents' house after you had made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year down to nothing. And meanwhile, every month, usually there was a comment from my mom every week. And you know my mom now, mm-hmm. you know, the comments she likes to make. <laughs> she does not sugarcoat things. <laughs> no, she, she is so blunt. 
sometimes you'll just stare at her with your jaw dropped and you're like, how did that just come yeah. out of your mouth? And you think it's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> God bless her. Yeah, she's the best though. She is. Uh, so, love you, mom. Uh, you know, shoot, this keeps happening. <laughs> help, help me again. out, help me out. Um, you were talking about um, how you, for 14 months you didn't make a dollar. Didn't make a dollar. So everyone thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. They literally said, you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? And... Finally, after 14 months, I started making some money. Um, I got that company to a few hundred grand, excuse me, a few hundred grand in revenue. And then I was recruited by a company to become their vice president of sales and marketing for a healthcare software company. So moved back out of my parents at that point and I left God in the rearview mirror. And from 26 until about 32, I just uh, went back to making uh money my God again and success. And, you know, from that time I built that company, uh, that led to another company and that one led to another company. And now between the th the two companies I own, because one of them I, I, I had shut down over the years, the, the first one I started, um, I think, you know, combined the revenues are somewhere around uh, 17 million now in annual recurring revenue. So let's talk about, because and, so many people ask me like, well, what does he do for a living and yeah. all that stuff? So Mike's living is just, it's very, very impressive. So your first company is called Insure and just give us a brief summary about that. Sure. So Insure is a software product that if you get transported in an ambulance, uh, and let's say you're unconscious and you don't have your social security card on you or your insurance information, my software will find it. Mm -hmm. So you would punch in the, the biller at the, the ambulance company or, or at the city, right? We have a lot of government contracts. We have a lot of private contracts, but the billing department in the ambulance company would type in your name and date of birth. And we would tell them what your social security number is, what your address is, what your phone number is, uh, what your active insurance coverage is. So it helps these ambulance companies that otherwise wouldn't get paid or maybe get delayed in getting paid, get paid faster and actually find the revenue. So I built that. I've had that company for about five, six years now. We just won um, the Inc. 500 reward for being one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. And during what, what Inc. had happened. Inc. 5000. Inc. 5000, yeah. Well, it's the Inc. 500, Inc. 5000. Okay. But the, the thing that happened was I had retired off of that company. That company I automated. Uh, it grew while I slept. It still does. And I uh, it runs while I sleep. And it did very well. And I retired. And I spent a lot of my time building a course. I, I, I wrote an ebook. Um, I was building my Instagram. I was traveling. Well, his course is the white, white label method method com. So the white label method teaches uh, people how to white label any product or service and build your own business using somebody else's invention, really. Yeah. Whether it's a, you know, usually it's software. Is like yeah, because a lot of people, I feel like they're like, oh, I have to invent something. I have to invent something. But with Mike's method, and I only learned about this when I met Mike, it's called white label method. So you ha you go to somebody and you like their idea and then you basically work with them, but you put your brand on it. So if you guys want to get to know it better, it's a white love, white meth. What was it called? White Whitelabelmethod.com. Yeah. I'm not really like pushing it anymore simply because I don't have Instagram yeah. at least now. And 
you know, it was, uh, but it was a good project. I was working on that. I was, I was retired and I was just traveling. You know, I lived, I, uh, I had gotten, you know, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but during the beginning of building those businesses, I, I moved, I got my dream car at the time. I moved into my dream apartment in San Francisco. Uh, and it was the one that I remember driving over the Bay Bridge, looking at as a 13 year old kid going, one day when I make it, I'm going to move there. It was this like beautiful high rise that overlooked the Bay Bridge and, and the, the, the San Francisco Bay. And it was just beautiful. I was like, that's the epitome of success. So I moved in there and within three months I was miserable. Everything I thought it was going to be was not. And I started getting addicted to these digital nomad videos. So people that were working remote and traveling the world and living out of a suitcase. I was watching these videos every single night thinking, whoa, that's what I want to do. So that's what I did. So I took my first trip to Europe and I was still on the fence about it, but I realized that I could really go anywhere and, and, and work. And I think at that point I went to London, I went to England, Amsterdam, um, uh, Ireland, Trying to think where else. There is one other place. Uh, Paris. Mike flew basic Mike flew all over the world. And when I met him, he was retired, but he was also living out of a suitcase. And he had lived out of two suitcases and his wardrobe was black and white. And I swear every time I would see Mike, it looked like he was wearing the same thing. But like now knowing him, it's like no, he just had thousands of the same pair of shorts <laughs> and thousands of the same white shirt and black shirt. But now we upped his wardrobe and now he has all the colors. I have all the colors. But we talked about your first, we talked about your first um, business, which is software, health software. And your second business, which is the one that he recently started about a year and a half ago or more than a year and a half no, ago. It's been about 16 months, something yeah. like that. And this is the one that really got to know, I got to know Mike's full side, which is like the business side, which is very stressful to be in, but let's talk about your second business. Sure. The one that you're on right now. Yeah. So, uh, she met me when I was basically retired and I mean, I was wake, I was running 15 kilometers a day. I was running 10 kilometers in the morning, five kilometers in the afternoon. I was also weightlifting in the afternoon. Um, I was stretching, meditating, journaling, reading every day without fail. Like I had a four hour routine in the morning that I never missed. So she got to meet Zend out, totally relaxed, retired Mike who put me first. I was the first priority. I was like, what can I do for Angelica to basically Mike starting a new company? And right. And so. And, and when we met, I'd already lived in uh, Colombia for two years. I lived in South America. I had spent time in uh, Russia, Ukraine. I had spent time in Europe, a lot of time in Europe. And I was used to the digital nomad lifestyle and just living out of suitcases. I did that lifestyle for four years before we met. And when we met, I, I just you know, put all my time and attention into you. You became my company. You became my project and you became my obsession. So I was able to shower you with love and notes and flowers and just all the attention and, and you know, where do you want to go now? And okay, you know, uh, super attentive to every single detail because literally you were my full-time job. Mm -hmm. And as we went to Dubai and as we went to uh, South Africa and we went to Greece and we went to all these different Monaco, all these different places, it was just kind of like a dream, right? And we did that for... Uh, four months out of the year, we had spent two months back in our place in Miami here when we got it. 
in between because we did two months of travel, two months here, and then two months of travel again. And it was the last trip towards the end when I had started the company, the newest one that I have now. So the newest company I have now is called Insight, and that company is remote patient monitoring and chronic care management for elderly patients. We're providing this service on behalf of doctors and health systems across the United across the United States, and it's basically a preventative care model. So we assist these patients in between their visits, all done remotely, uh, in order to monitor them, like their blood pressure, their blood sugar, their weight, uh, we're managing their chronic conditions. We're providing health coaching. We're helping put dietary plans in place. We're helping to put exercise regimens in place. We're holding them accountable. We're scheduling meetings with their specialists. We're making sure they show up to their doctor's appointments. We're making sure they take their medication and the right dosages. So I've got a lot of nurses that are working for me. We've gone from, like I said, about for this company, about zero to over $14 million in revenue in 16 months, which if any entrepreneurs listening know that that is almost impossible to do. Mm-hmm. And it's all self-funded. And it's been really by you know the grace of God that this thing has grown so fast. And by the end of March, we should have over 100 people on staff. Wow. And we expect to have 300 people on staff by the end of this year. But it's because that we're in a niche where there's so many of these patients that need this help and there's such uh, a lack of companies that are able to provide this service because it's very difficult to provide. And, well, how, and how you do it too. Right. Because you care about the patients. You don't care about the money. Right. Exactly. And that's a good point. So getting back to like God and all this. Well, can I say something first? Yeah. I just want to say that the reason why I find Mike's story so fascinating is because if we go back in time and when you were young, addicted to drugs and all that stuff, that's like a lot of people don't get out of that mess. I know. I have friends that didn't. A lot of people stay in that mess. A lot of people go in and out of rehab and people just can't get their life together after that because your brain chemistry changes. You're always so addicted. You're always thinking about it even when you're clean. And I always find your story so fascinating because if you look at Mike now and you met him today and you just how did you just shoot this shit with him, you will you would never think that Mike has been through what he has been through unless he told you. Because I look at him sometimes now when we were when we're in church and I'm just like, you are the prime example of how God can save you because Mike went to you didn't go to rehab, right? Or did you? No. Yeah. So what had happened was that he didn't turn to anybody else, but what he did, it was turn to God and God literally saved him because he surrendered to him. And that's what I find so beautiful about this story because Mike has went through being heavily addicted to Oxy to owning two multi-million dollar companies. And if you look at him today, you will not think that he went through what he went through. Like you don't look weathered like a lot of people do. Like you would not know. So I just find that so fascinating. And Mike was like the reason why I actually, like I always said, I believed in God. I believed in God. But when I heard Mike's story, that's what got me like really like into it. I'm like, if it wasn't God, I don't know who it would be. Like, I don't know what would have done. Like, I don't know what would have happened to you or how you would got out of it. Okay, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> yeah, no, but, it's just uh, such a beautiful what, story. And like even like the second time where you said that you lost everything and what you did was go back to God. And you know, it's just like now we're like back into God. It's just, 
It's such a crazy story. And that's why I wanted everybody to know about it because I don't want people looking at you or, you know, listening to this podcast or like, oh, like he already has everything. He already had everything. Like I came to his life and he had everything. It's like, no, Mike started out with like nothing. It wasn't always this way for him. Right. But he's the prime example of if you want it, you can go get it. You know, like there wasn't e-commerce back in the day. There wasn't, you know, social media back in the day. He had to cold call people the traditional way. He had to sit down by a phone, call people all day. And what he's saying now is that there's so many ways to make money that men can go out there if they really set their mind to it and make the money, live the life that they want, live the dream life, get the girl that they want, live in this masculine role. So yeah, it's just like, and we always talked about it. It's like Andrew Tate, for instance, like he always talks about it, but he's not relatable, you know, because just whatever he always like preaches about it, but he doesn't practice what he preaches and he didn't come from the dirt and rise up. So I just think your story was a great one to share. Thank you. You know, I wanted to finish off with something there. Um, Well, we were going back to God and how you're 32 and you brought back God into your life. That's what you said. Yeah, no, it's true because I lost sight of him again. Mm -hmm. You know, as I built this one, um, we started to go through problems and this was not that long ago. This was what, six months ago? This was in basically in June, um, we hit rock bottom. Yeah. And I, yeah, when people ask me, it's just like, yeah, like Mike and I, we, we hit rock bottom. I feel like I was doing my part. I was doing my part, but as a woman, you know, you can only do so much. Well, well let's back up. So this is what happened. Because there was a whole point to me saying that I was retired and all that. It's really easy for a girl to meet a guy that's retired and doing four hours of self-work every morning and um, get along and have it easy. You know, when the guy has unlimited resources and you can travel the world and you can live in a fairy tale, that's easy for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so there was this kind of this underlying skepticism that I had for you. Like, okay, yeah, but she has it so easy. Would she have been here if I went through it, you know? and and lost everything. I, there was a quote that we heard that says, uh, a man's faith is tested when he has everything and a woman's faith is tested when the man has nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I didn't, I didn't have a test of your faith, you know, if everything was going so great. So when I started this new company, simply out of boredom, I was, I had lost purpose. I was starting to get depressed. I remember we were in Croatia and everything was beautiful and amazing, but you just knew I was lacking something. And I told her I was going to start this new business. I had no idea what it was going to be. And then you had said something like, oh, well, what, what, what are you going to do? Like, how do you not know? And then I'm like, I don't know, but I just believe God is going to bring it to me. He literally said that. Like, I kept asking him because he kept saying, I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to find something. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you even think you want to do? He goes, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. But when it's the right time, God will put it into my lap. And I know that will be the idea. He literally said that verbatim. Yeah. And, and it did. Then two weeks later, uh, my vice president of sales of my other company, she, um, she called me and said, hey, have you heard of this thing called RPM? And it's been history ever since. Yeah. So the point is, is that when that company started, I went from, uh, I stopped being the super attentive uh, uh, boyfriend. I stopped being the super loving boyfriend. I stopped being the guy that would do the self-work for four hours because I didn't have any time left. I went to the extremely overworked, tired, um, angry, uh, annoyed, stressed guy 
rebuilding a new startup and even crazier because this time I didn't have to, right? This time I, we already were financially set, but I wanted to because I was lacking purpose and I wanted to do something that would change the lives of millions of people uh, positively. And that, that was the goal and is the goal. And what happened was though, that as I started to get more into that, of course, money became God again, right? And I started to get power hungry and I started to make some poor decisions that affected us. And then it really led me back to, at the same time, not only were you and I not doing well, but then uh, my back went out. Uh, I could not work out for like four or five months. And that was always my crutch. That was always like, if it wasn't money, that was my God, exercise was. So I'd always look for all these other ways to try and, you know, make anything my God other than actually just God. And so I couldn't work out. You and I weren't doing good. My business was going through the most massive roller coaster ever. We were going through our prenup phase too. We were going through negotiating the prenuptial agreement, which was not fun at all. Just so everybody knows, if you ever have to go through that experience, it is like the most unromantic experience you could ever go through. But it's also like our lawyers didn't make it any better. Um, Mike and I, obviously, we got into it thinking that it's going to be easy but they kind of just like made it a mess. So Mike and I started to become at war with each other and it started to come to the point where Mike thought I didn't appreciate him and he didn't appreciate me. And it was just like, there was just like this aroma and like, it wasn't good. There was not good energy around the house because you know, although we like acted like everything was fine, deep down inside, we kind of just started resenting each other. And it was basically a path to self-destruction oh yeah it was basically a path to self-sabotage but i would say mike i didn't understand it um mike was mainly going through it because of his business and being stressed out and all that stuff so he kind of just went back into his default Mm -hmm. of you know just self-sabotaging and you know, I, I toxicity, I, toxicity. And yeah. I, I, I feel like obviously you can tell it better. I was just watching from the sideline, but we basically saying like our relationship just like hit rock bottom and it hit rock bottom to the point where we were about to break up, yep. you know, like real talk. Like we were literally about to break up and everything seemed fine. Probably and this is after on, getting engaged. Yeah. This was after getting proposed. We hit rock bottom and you know, it just, you see somebody change and I saw him change and it's like, I can get emotional, like talking about it because it's like so triggering, but we hit rock bottom. We were about to break up. We were going through like a really, really rocky time where honestly, truth be told, like I was packing my stuff up. Like we removed all our pictures from you removed all the pictures, (laughs) but the, the bags were at the door. The bags were at the door and I don't know, I guess like something in me was just like, you know what, like you've been through so much in the past and you gave so many other people chances before, like Mike is going through something. I don't know what it is, but like I like something in me was like, you have to stay and you have to just like work it out. And that's exactly what we did. And I remember Mike saying you know, he's like, I like we tried to make like we tried to make it better. And that's one thing I appreciate is that Mike was actually fighting for the relationship while I was already defeated. And Mike was fighting for the relationship and he knew that the only way that he 
can become the man, you know, for himself and for me and for the family was basically going back to God and going back to church. And I remember Mike telling me, he's like, Angela, I can't do this on my own. Like I can't, like I proved to myself, I can't do it on my own. I need to go to church. I need to go find God again. And I remember me thinking and I remember watching something like months before was like if you guys are not growing together you guys are growing apart and instantly when he told me that he's going to church I thought about that and I was like well and he's like I'm gonna go with you or without you and I was like I'm I'm gonna go with you and listen like I'm Jewish so when he told me hey I'm going to church I he showed me Joel Osteen before Joel Osteen is great he's from Texas He's a great speaker and I was engaged in that, but I wasn't really in it. Like I wasn't there physically. I, we watched it online, but I was like, yeah, I liked it. So Mike, he knew about this place called Voo Church. Now I can say shout out to Voo Church because I felt uncomfortable. Like I'm Jewish, you know, I grew up, you know, my parents going to a synagogue, rabbi, you know, wearing like a kippah and all that stuff. So I grew up just obviously in a Jewish religion and in a Jewish household. So when Mike is like, okay, well, I'm going to church, I automatically thought, okay, Christian, um, I don't know what the difference is really. I just know that there's a difference in religion. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with you. Like, uh, I'm going to see what it is. And Mike is like, are you sure? Like, if you hate it, like I understand, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. So we go there and on a Sunday and we go to the 10 a.m. service and we get dressed up and everything's nice and I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel out of place and all that stuff. And Mike was like, and I knew this was going to be good for us. Like I knew we had to do this together because this was the only, like this was the only way. And I remember Mike was saying like, everything has to be perfect, like the music. And I was like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but the music, the speaker, the pastor, everything has to be amazing. And we walked in, we sat down, um, they were singing. All of them are such beautiful singers. And my soul just like felt this kind of way. Like my soul was literally dancing in my body. You know, it was like, it had its own arms and legs and it was just twirling around (laughs) dancing. And I never felt that way before. And then Pastor Rich, he came on and he did um, like a, like there was like a collective talks, but this was called Daddy Issues. And it was talking about like, I grew up with my family, like, you know, my parents split up, like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the best separation. It really ruined our family at the age of 13. And I just felt like I was abandoned by my father. Although my dad was trying to be in my life, you know, the, what he did with my mom, which they're good now, like everything is fine, but it, it wasn't the prettiest moments. And I just felt so abandoned as like a 13 year old child. And I saw my parents screaming and I saw my parents fighting. And then my dad left the house and I barely saw him. So when we did this whole talk on, when they did this whole talk on daddy issues, I literally like just cried my eyes out And I never felt this way before. And I remember leaving church and Mike was like, are you like, did you like it? I'm like, I loved it. Like (laughs) I need to feel this way all the time because I'm telling you, like I was studying femininity and femininity again is your outside appearance. It's how you talk to people. It's your relations. It's, you know, the conversations that you have, it's how you treat your man. It's all these things. But then there's feminine energy and feminine energy, guys, it comes from the inside. And I struggled 
with my inside. I felt unfulfilled. I was dragging trauma from my past relationships. I was bringing toxicity into my current relationships. I was always accusing Mike of cheating. I never trusted him. There was always a side of me where it's like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And just one thing of my actions from the past kind of like led also to the destruction of our relationship that was currently because he always felt like he was in the wrong because I was just always accusing him that he was in the wrong. And it was just a lot. And I never felt so free and so like at peace than I do now because I found God. And I was struggling my whole life because I always said like, I believe in God, I believe in God, but I didn't know and I didn't understand what it was actually like to have a relationship with him, to talk to him, to pray to him, to listen to his voice, to thank him, like to read the Bible. And a lot of people come to me now and they're just like, okay, but you're Jewish. Like, how do you feel about going to a Christian church? And I always tell them, I'm like, listen, at this point in my life, like I get it religion is a religion and people are Christian people are Jewish and I'm not going to take away from that but for me it's I will do anything necessary and I will go I'll, I'll read the bible I'll go to Vu church if it gets me closer to God because we we talked about this we're like if we found a synagogue that had a pastor like pastor rich but had a rabbi and he spoke that way and you know, if you guys go online and go to Vu Church or search up Rich Wilkerson on Instagram, you guys will understand what I'm talking about. But the way this guy sounds and this whole like atmosphere was just so life changing. And I was just like, where am I going with this? What was I saying? You were just saying how much has changed your life, just finding God and, and Oh yeah, and, and people and- are saying to me like, okay, but like you're Jewish. And I was just like, that's okay because- And then Mike put into perspective, he's like, okay, well, the Old Testament of the Bible is basically the Torah. And then the New Testament of the Bible is basically like when Jesus, when Jesus came and that's where the Jewish religion and the Christian religion kind of, they don't meet. Yeah. They don't agree. They don't agree. And, but then Mike puts into perspective, it's like, okay, but all the books that were written in the in the new testament were basically all jewish and jesus was jewish so it's kind of just like in my world it's like okay well why wouldn't i believe in jesus like what's the harm of not believing in jesus i can believe in jesus and i can believe in god and that's how i kind of see it so when i used to go to church or when i used to listen to all these things online and they would be talking about jesus and all that stuff I did feel uncomfortable. I did feel uncomfortable for the first like two, three months. I was like uneasy. But now since I've been like talking to God and praying and just like acting like he's literally my best friend, like even in the car, like I'm never alone. I'm just, no, God's with me. He's in the passenger seat right now. And just like little stuff, like even when I'm at the mall and it's so packed in the mall. And I was like, you know what? I know God's going to find me a parking spot. I kid you not, a car gets out and I park and I'm just like, thank you, God, you know, because you just never feel alone. And I never felt so much at peace. And I struggled with insecurities. I struggled with, you know, people not being honest. I always thought people were out to get me. Like I would find you in dark holes all the time. So I would go and work and uh, during this this new company and I would go disappear for six or seven hours without saying a word to her. You know, and then I'd come back to find her maybe halfway through the day and she'd be sitting alone in the, in the master bedroom with all of the, uh, blinds shut, just sitting there 
looking miserable and depressed and i'd be like oh no what happened since last time i left what's going on and i would rub your back and give you kisses and i'd be like what's going on and then i'd have to talk you out of this dark hole all the time it was constant it wasn't every day but it was enough to where it was like damn you know she's got some stuff going on she gets into these like these holes these dark holes yeah it was really bad but you don't have any of those anymore no and honestly and it's like every time like every time i think about going down these dark holes i just think about god and how much he loves me and i know that the devil like works harder and i always go back to our situation and i always tell people you know you know i always when we were going when we when we hit rock bottom Okay. And everything came to light. And this was before the prenup was signed. And this is before like, you know, the wedding and all that stuff and getting married. I feel just like God was, God was like, you're, you guys are not going to get married if you guys don't find me. And there was a lot of things that were in the dark that came to light. And I feel like God is like, you guys need to know the ins and outs of each other. And you guys need to know yourself on a deeper level because you, before you guys get married. And I just felt like God wasn't going to let that happen. He wasn't going to, going to let the prenup get signed. He wasn't going to let us get married in the future if we didn't find him. And that's what happened. And, you know, it was a very tough situation and it, we did hit rock bottom. And I always look back and I'm just like, you know, the devil worked and he created chaos And then God came in and he created peace because what the devil wanted to happen is for Mike and I to break up, you know, for us to live unfulfilled lives, for him to go be whatever he wants to be and for me to go back and do whatever I want to do, which probably was go back to Toronto, go bottle service, do all of that. And then Mike go to girl to girl to girl and just live unhappy and unfulfilled lives. But what had happened, which was so beautiful was we both, well, Mike came and was like, I need to go find God. And what I did is I found God with him. And that was the first time I ever found God. And I always thank him because it was such, the timing of it was just so perfect, you know, because all of this didn't come to life after we get married, come to light after we got married, you know, like after we are going to get married. It came before, it came before the prenup. It It came before all these big life decisions that we were going to make. And it was just like God created peace from chaos. So it was like the devil was working, but God was working harder. And I just think it's like such a beautiful story to tell. And I'm just like so thankful for it. Yeah. And I just feel like, and now I tell everybody, like everybody who comes to me with problems or, you know, and they're just like talking to me, Mike and I, we always just go back to being like, yo, like you need to find God. Like he is, he's just the only answer. I agree. I agree. I, uh, it's the best advice you can give, but it's also the toughest the biggest pill to swallow Yeah, for anybody that doesn't want that advice. And it's, um, like we talked about on the last podcast, all those characteristics I said, uh, they're, a thousand times easier when you're close to God, because mm-hmm. this is, I believe the way God designed us. And like when you read scripture and all that, like how a man should love a woman, you know, that, that uh, meme you sent me earlier, it's mm-hmm. true. You know, there's. And how a we woman were, have to, has to respect her man. Right. There's all these things biblically 
that were written down. And when you read scripture, it's really weird. Like there's something supernatural that happens and God just naturally changes your heart. And one of those things could be how you feel about your woman, how you treat her, uh, how you treat your man uh, and how you love him. Uh, but another could be how you think about money. Like the way for me, money totally shifted and, and it was very natural. And I was actually telling Pastor Rich this <laughs> the other day. I was just like, you know, I, when I started this business, I was really um, focused on one thing and one thing only, just making as much money as humanly possible. But what had happened was, as I started reading scripture every day and we started going to church on Sunday and God started to change my heart, it went from how much money can I make to how many people can I help? And it was a beautiful thing because you were the one that brought it up to me. You were the one that said, you know, you used to talk about the money a lot and now you talk about the people that you're going to help a lot more. And it's true. I don't, I don't care about the money anymore. Like, yeah, the money's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, getting a nice home and having nice cars and traveling and all that stuff. I mean, it's a total blessing and, and I'm so grateful to God for everything that we have and everything that we will have. And, you know, God willing, there's going to be a lot more and, and a lot more that we, you know, do in life, but, and we'll be healthy to do it. But it's the impact that you can make that is much more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. When I hear these success stories of these patients that we help from my nursing team, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. To people see what literally we're doing. say that you're doing God's work, right? Like we're guardian angels that we're doing God's work. And it's just so cool to see that change. So I guess, you know, again, the whole point of this was to tell my story. Uh, you know, there's so many more layers to it, but I feel like that's like a good overview. And I also think it's important, like we talked about, to go over the fact that we might seem like we have it all figured out. We don't. You know, we still argue. We still, uh, not like screaming or anything though, our arguments are much more mature than they used to be. But when we do um, go back and forth, it's just from a different place now. And we are so much faster to make up Mm -hmm. and we're so much less likely to even get into fights because our hearts are softer than they used to be. We just can't stay mad at each other. We can't. We just look at each other from a different set of eyes that we used to not. And and that is a total game changer. And it makes this whole, everything that you've learned through your femininity books way easier to implement. And it makes it easier for me to, not that I'm perfect because I'm not, but it makes it easier for me to be a nicer person to you even when I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders because I don't feel like I do. I might have a lot more stress. I have plenty of stress right now. There's plenty I could complain about at yeah. any given time. And I've got, you know, a buddy that I can think of in particular that is always got a lot going on and complaining about a lot of different things in his life. And and I just, you know, I say, man, you know, you, you need God, dude. You need mm-hmm. God because I've got just as much stress, if stress, if not more, a lot. Of, I have more stress than I know than most people do because there's so much riding on my shoulders with how many people work for me. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that have more. There are. Just I don't know them personally. So I don't know that many people that can honestly say, well, I've got all this stress. It's like, yeah, well, I've got a lot too. But by putting God first, I'm allow, I'm able to kind of live in the moment, trust that he's going to take care of it. And that allows me to then, therefore, be less stressed, more in the moment, more present with you, 
more of a man to you and just really give you the love that you deserve. Well, I also feel that like, you know, for the first year and a half, um, Mike and I, like we knew each other, but it was very, very surfacey. Like it was very on a surface level. And now that we kind of thought it was deep, we thought it was deep, but now that we talk a lot, yeah. we talk a lot. So it's like, I want to be clear. Like, it wasn't like we were just very surfacey, like, oh, oh how's yeah. your day? How's this? Like, no, we talked. Yeah. We talk in depth for hours. That's why these podcasts are so easy for us because this is all we do every day anyway. Yeah. But we thought we knew each other on a really deep level. And then when we went to, and then when we found God together, we knew each other's souls on a deeper level. A whole like, different layer. It was like this different, it was just, it, an instant change of heart from his, like his heart and my heart, our souls changed and they started to understand each other more on a deeper level. And we started looking at each other in a different way. Our conversations started to become different. We start like, you know, like now when we're in a room and people like to gossip, like we don't even like to be around people who gossip or we stop the gossip because we're just thinking like, well, that's God's children. Even when we're driving and one of us has road rage, we're just like, that's not very godly of you, <laughs> you know? And like, we can't be mean to each other anymore. And it's not like we were forced to change and then go find God. It's like, no, God changed because we found him. Like he changed us when we found him. It was just instantly it's like effortless it was like the things that you you thought that you couldn't change about yourself it's like that happens naturally so us really putting god in the center of our relationship i recommend it to everybody if you can like i don't know what religion you guys are in but if you guys really spend the time to even go listen to Vu Church online on YouTube on podcasts because Pastor Rich he's a great pastor he's a great speaker and his sermons are just life changing and they really hit home and I would say it's like a lot of life coaching but it's also like okay life coaching but with the word of God and I'm telling you guys right now the femininity books which I will create a list of but all the feminine books that I've read, majority of them, they all reference the Bible and they all talk about God. It's because when you read the Bible, you will understand that man, that God created man and woman and he created Adam and then he created Eve, Adam, Adam's rib because he knew he's the one who looked down and said, you need somebody, you need a helper. And that's why he created a woman. He didn't create another man. And there's a reason for that. And in the Bible, even the woman's Bible that I'm reading, it talks about masculinity and femininity. It's because those energies work together. And that's why we have such a confused society because we're not living the way that God designed us to live. I used to have depression. I used to have anxiety. I used to feel unfulfilled. I was unhappy. I had everything. You would look at me and just be like, what are you not happy about? You drive a nice car. You have a great husband. You have a great dog. Your family's healthy. Why are you not happy? What is missing? And now I knew what I was missing. I was missing God. Like Mike would be like, Angelica, look at the view that you have outside. Like go to the beach. And what would happen is I would be with the blinds closed. I would like watch TV or I would just be in the darkness 
And Mike, he would like come out and he would always have to spend time getting me out of this dark hole. And that's because I let the devil talk to me too much and I fed into his lies. And we listened to like a, like someone talked today and it's kind of just like, the more you get into the spiral of the devil's lies, the more you see the world that way. And that hit really deep because you start to manifest these things. And when I was like, and I always, people always say like, oh, manifestation, but I don't believe in God. And for me, I don't think that works well with me or like, oh, like you would have rather have crystals around the house than believe in God, or you'd rather sage the house than believe in God. It's like, so you'd rather sage your home than believe in God, or you'd rather believe that this rock, this crystal can make things happen for you rather than believe in God. And I used to be that person. We used to sage your home and we used to buy these crystals, these crystals that people now believe is just witchcraft. And it's kind of just like, if you guys believe in that, you guys have to believe there's some sort of higher power in your world. And if you guys do believe in a higher power and you guys do believe in manifestation, then you have to also believe in prayer. And that's just my opinion because I remember when I said I was manifesting Mike, I was manifesting Mike. Meanwhile, I was actually talking to God and I was praying to him and he listened to me and he gave me everything that I wanted. And then it was up to me to kind of work this way and kind of just give all glory to him like I do now. Like I look back on it now and I was just like, wow, I was actually talking to him. He listened to me and all this chaos that happened in our life and all this destruction that happened in our life was basically to get me and Mike together to find God. And I told God, and I literally remember, I always say this, I always said, when I get a platform or, you know, when this podcast is what it is, and because of you guys, like it went viral, it blew up. Like, you know, there's so many listeners. I always told myself that I will just praise God and thank him for it. And my job and my role in society, I feel like is yes, it's, definitely to talk about femininity. It's definitely for Mike to talk about masculinity. It's definitely to get everybody back into their innate energies. But it's also for you guys to know that God has changed our lives and just to find that fulfillment. And you can do this like when you're single, when you're married, when you're in a relationship. But if you ever feel unfulfilled, sad, depressed, or going through anything, just my the one thing I recommend is just try it out. You know, you don't have to just dip your toes in the water. Go listen to a sermon. Go listen to Joel Osteen, Michael Todd, Brandon. Brandon, I don't know what his name is, but I follow them on Instagram. But they're such great speakers and they're so life-changing. And they talk about how to change the way you think, how to change the way that you feel. They talk about, you know, being happy, healthy, holy. They talk about your soul, renewing your soul. And I just think that will help so many people and just change their perspective and you know, if you guys are single, it'll help you find the, the love of your life and how to treat the person right and how to pray for each other. So I just think it's just, it's such a beautiful thing that God has done for us. And I only think it's fair that I share it with you guys. And hopefully you guys follow that path as well, like whatever religion you believe in. But yeah. I just I just did a little bit of a preacher moment. I love it. Yeah. I uh I'll leave it on this note too. For the very least for the guys that, you know, I, I guess uh, I've been hearing through a lot of the messages you've been getting that some of the girls will share this with their boyfriends, their husbands, 
and that's great. So if you're going to share one thing with them, you can share this. I became successful without having a significant other in my life, uh, going from girl to girl. I still became successful. I became a hundred times more successful with one because it took away the distraction of women. It requires a lot of time and effort to text and trying to get to know different girls and go on dates. It's very distracting. So if you want to be a really successful man and you're listening to this, you know, it's so much easier if you have a woman that really supports you and really is there for you and really takes care of you and loves you and goes out of her way to sacrifice herself for you because it just, when you are so focused on your purpose and doing what you feel God has put in your heart to do in this world, if you have somebody in your corner that's your cheerleader and she is doing everything she can to make sure that you are prepped and ready for game day, you know, when you get out there, that you can put your best foot forward and do a great job, you are just going to be, I mean, just uh, unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So learning how to become a masculine, loyal man is really important, not only for your soul and all that, but it's also very important for your wallet. It's also very important for how you're going to end up providing for your family over the years. And do you want to look back and say, yeah, I'm, you know, I messed with a lot of girls, right? Or do you want to look back and say, I built something incredible that's serving millions of people. And this person here next to me, helped me get there. Yeah, I think that's way, way better. So I know it is actually, I've it been is. in both roles and I know that it's much better. I can tell you right now it's, it's a, it's a million times better to be in a home surrounded by love and to just fill your soul with the love of your, your significant other and with God. It's, there's nothing that matches that, nothing that beats it. No mat, no matter how much money you make or what car you buy or what trip you go on, I've done it all. I have the, my dream cars. I've, I've been everywhere I want in this world. I've built businesses. I've had my, I've manifested my dreams, you know? And it's like nothing compares to God's love and nothing compares to having a feminine woman in your life that will sacrifice for you and the love that is in her eyes when she looks at you in the morning or before you go to bed and the peace that comes with that. That's so beautiful. I'm not crying. You're crying now. <laughs> yeah. I had to get you back. <laughs> yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It, I feel like there's this thing that I said where it's just like a family man and then it shows like over everybody's man. And that's like, that's so true because you know, like I said before, it's like a true man, you know, can be faithful and loyal and walk with God because anybody can be with a bunch of girls and any woman can be with a bunch of guys. Like that that's the easy part of life. That's the sinner's world of life, right. you know, like, but it doesn't bring you peace and it only brings you pleasure for a season. But the peace and the fulfillment and the true happiness and the eternal life that you guys are seeking, like that becomes 
you know, building an empire or building a foundation and building a, 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 like a family, a home, a legacy with your significant other. And it's you guys walking with God. And, you know, it's, it's a different type of love and it's a different type of feeling. And I'm just so grateful that me being 25 now, I'm able to find true inner happiness and just be fulfilled and be grateful and look at life a different way than I did before. You know, I was always just like, I always felt like there was a lack of, I always felt like people had more than me or people had better than me. And, you know, social media didn't make it easier where it's just like, you're looking at, oh, like this girl looks like this and that girl looks like that. And, oh, I have to look this way to be like that. And now I'm just like, yeah, but like, I, you know, God created me a certain way and he gave me a purpose. And, you know, I have my femininity page now and my algorithm is different and everything there is just so pure and so much more like everybody's more fulfilled. Everybody just talks about God and there's pastors. And I really enjoy being on my femininity page way more because I look at my regular page and it's just a bunch of like it's kind of like a bunch what of bag you don't have or what trip you're not on or what car you're not in it's all toxic yeah whereas the one <clears throat> your femininity page is all about being already fulfilled and being grateful for what you do have and feeling loved and, and wanting a family and, and like a, a home it's all the things you should be focused on so and like having <clears throat> and having kids and creating like a legacy and how to be a good woman to your right. husband and that's what you want to fill your brain with you know like social media is so toxic and it's just one of the biggest brainwashes in the world like when i go on tiktok especially i get scared of the world like i get just it, it brings so much toxicity on like what I see and like what I read that then I just have to go back to my bring back femininity page. And I'm like, just give me more love. Give me more love, God. I need more <laughs> love from you. Or I go and I just shut my phone off and I go read the Bible and I go listen to like the word of God. And that makes me feel so much better. So it, it's crazy how in a short period of time, our life has changed. And now we volunteer, you know, we love to give back. We definitely want to be doing more volunteering, but when we travel, we want to go build homes for people. Like we will, we love to bring toys. So we're definitely getting more involved. Now we're part of like a, a church crew where we meet every other Thursday and we're just like surrounded by these group of amazing Beautiful people souls. that, you know, they, we pray for one another. We just, it's so genuine and so pure and you don't find these kinds of relationships well, anywhere. Even the shows we watch now, we try to steer more towards shows that are much more uh, wholesome, like versus all the dark stuff, you know? Now like, it triggers me. Like the other day we were watching something and if it was my past self, I would have been like, yeah, I love this. But it was like a wife having an affair and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is triggering. Like I don't right. like we were this watching, dark uh, stuff. Friday Night Lights for the all oh my God, five that's seasons. Such a it good was show. so good. But it's about, you know, just like a family and, and sticking and wholesome. together and, and yeah, God. And just, and... Yes, it, it's so good. And, and it's everything. It's the books you're reading. It's the shows you're watching. It's, you know, in the car now. 
we used to only listen to Drake and all the different, you know, main hip hop stuff. And now we listen to 90% of it is worship music. And we just listen to music about God and, and we jam out hard in the car. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's funny because we'll literally drive in a Rolls Royce with the windows pulled down and we'll be blasting some Jesus music. Yeah. <laughs> How do you not? <laughs> everybody's just looking at us and we're having the time of our right. life and it's like you know because i also don't believe that you can't have money and also not love god like i think that the way i look at it is it's what you do with that money money is just a tool money magnifies who you already are so if you're an asshole and you get money you're just going to be a bigger asshole but if you are a man of God and you get money, you are going to be so generous and help so many people and you're going to do good with that money. So it's just a tool. You can't, there are, no rule says you can't have both. Uh, I don't believe that. In the Bible, it says that it, it doesn't say the, the money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And um, that's a very important distinction because as long as you love God first and foremost and that he is your most important thing and that's the only thing that matters is God's approval and God's will and working towards pleasing him, then it's okay to have plenty of money. I mean, what's there's nothing wrong with having money as long as you're using it for good, as long as you're donating back yeah. to your church or you're donating back to good causes or... Even just little things, like every time we see somebody on the street giving somebody $100, like, hey, boom, here you go. Like, I love doing that kind of stuff because, and I'm, I'm not like trying to showboat right now because that's like completely goes against doing like, it no, in the first place. No, it's, it's but more the point of like, is pay like, it forward. That's exactly it is like, I'm just saying like, there's nothing cool about having a lot of money and being stingy about it. Like, it's very cool to have money and give it away because God, there's something weird in the universe and there's a lot of other spiritual books that talk about this, but the fact of giving your money away shows God that you have an abundance. And if you're like one of these people that believes in the universe and manifestation too, and the law of money, if you give it away, it shows that you have an abundance of it and therefore life, the universe or whatever will give you more. Yeah. So it's allowing the money to flow through you as opposed to holding on to it so tightly because you think that no, not more is going to come. Trust me, when I give out $100 to somebody on the street, I get way more on the next deal that closes for my company a thousand times but over. But you see, it's also because God trusts you more with the abundance. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm going to, I'm, because it's like Mike, it, it shows what Mike does with the money that he has already now and he donates to church and we give back and we buy toys and all that stuff. So God feels like- Toys God, for kids. Yeah, toys for kids. But it's like, he feels like he can entrust him more, you know, not only to give back, but also to talk and spread the word and do all these beautiful things and just praise God for it because it's not our doing, it's God's doing. It's Amen. God uses every single one of us as his basically temple, you know, to show that- is the vessel. Is the vessel, to show people like, no, it's not me, it's God and it's with the grace of God. So it's just like, and even when we were giving out toys for Christmas, like, you know, we were just saying, hey, it's, it's not us, it's God. And we were just trying to get more people involved. We went to this like, less fortunate area we were just knocking on doors and we had a bag of um toys in the car and we're just like hey we'd like to give you a toy and just like seeing the kids faces like lit up they didn't know what was going on at all but all the parents were just like wow like god bless and all that stuff and it's like yeah really it is god bless yeah so yeah it's not me 
Because yeah. me, at, at my core, I'm selfish. I don't want to give any of my money away. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not like that at all. It's when God's working through me, when he changes my heart by just naturally reading scripture or going to church, and then he does something to my heart that then changes me and makes me softer and makes me more loyal, makes me a better man to you, makes me more understanding, more patient, more generous. He does that through me without me trying. It's yeah. just something that he does when I put my focus and effort into him. Mm-hmm. He gives that back to me. So it's not like you have to like go in your car and be like, shoot, now I need to look for every single, you know, homeless person I can find and give them a hundred bucks to be like Mike or, oh, I need to, you know, now go, I need to start going volunteering. I'm a bad person if I don't. It's like, no, 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 no. You're completely going about it the wrong way. You need to put God at the center of your life and God will take care of all of that for you. Amen. That's beautiful. And that's so true. It's like when you don't know what to, you, when you don't know how to start, just like start with like one thing and for us was just going to church and yeah, then it was the and then it was reading start. the bible and now i have a journal that's dedicated to me just writing to god it's all my complaints it's all the things that i have inside of me and then i just vent and then i pray and then i start to become grateful because i realize like damn what i'm mad at is something that's so small and my heart just changes for the rest of the day and that's how I feel more at peace. And that's how I feel just very content. And that's how I feel more secure in our relationship. And that's how I get my true inner feminine energy because feminine energy is the peace. Yeah. And that's the only, that's personally how I got it. I don't know how you guys get it, but that's, we're talking about like how we found inner peace and the way that we found inner peace was just through God and the only reason why I wanted to say this topic is because I know a lot of you guys have been asking me about it because I'm always kind of like talking to God and posting all these things about God. And I just, it's just been so life changing. And like I said before, like I had to dedicate an episode to God just because of how much he's blessed us with. So yeah, if you guys have any other questions, DM me and like you guys. I was actually going to say for the next episode, should we talk through, I mean, the, the messages and outpour of all the people that have been reaching out to you has been so cool. Yeah. You guys are the coolest people ever. Like every time you guys send me a message, I read it and I start blushing and I'm like so happy. And then I show it to Mike and Mike reads it and he's happy. And then like, you know, when you guys ask for both of our opinions, we discuss it and we oh, put yeah. both of our opinions uh, maybe into Maybe next it. episode, that's what we do. We talk through some of the questions and we kind of give some of our answers that we've given. Well, I'll definitely, before the next episode, I'll put like a Q&A and you guys can ask me all the questions and then we'll pick like top 10 and then we'll, you know, yeah, we'll answer cool. the questions. I know some people ask, let's do a Q&A. So that's what we'll do. So... What, so the last thing something? I was going to say is like, yeah, the, we said like, the last thing we're closing. Yeah, like. We keep closing over and over. <laughs> but the last thing is like the whole reason we talked about God so much in this podcast just now is because if you want to bring back femininity or you want to bring back masculinity, then you got to bring back God. Mm. Like it, it really, because everything that we're talking about when she's talking about all these different feminine traits, or as a man, I'm talking about all these different masculine traits. It just comes naturally when you put God first. Because there's something about the way he changes your heart and the way that you act where he just makes you as a man naturally more masculine and then he makes women naturally more feminine. And yeah. we just, it's easier to move forward in life together as a, as a unit yeah. versus being more uh, butting heads all the time and, 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 you know, adversaries. So it's, it's, um, 
a really important topic because you can't talk about masculinity, or at least in my opinion, you can't talk about masculinity or talk about femininity without laying the foundation of God first, because it is such a pivotal, uh, 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 it plays such a pivotal role in getting you there. Yeah. Well, listen, I, it's like, I can show you guys the books that I've read, but if I show you guys the books that I read, it's going to mention the Bible. It's going to talk about God. So, and it's because there's a, there's a reason for that. So, and before I read, like, let's say before I read the Bible or before I got into a relationship with God, I would have been like, okay, like, what is this? Like, I don't want to read this. Like, this is so Christian. I'm Jewish. And I probably would have never read it. But now when I'm reading these books and it's just talking about God and the Bible, I'm just like, now I understand because now I'm reading the Bible. And you know, when it says like, love your wife, respect your husband. And it shows like all these godly womanly traits and it shows all these godly manly masculine traits. So you guys will put two and two together that you guys have to understand because it's a sinner's world. And they call, there's a reason why they call Vegas Sin City and they call Miami the Devil's Throne is because there's so much shit going on. They call on. Miami the Devil's yeah, Throne? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never heard that. Yeah, Rich called it the Devil's Throne. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, shit. Damn, but it's because dark. you we are living in a society. It's not a seat, it's a throne. We're living in a society where, you know, there's so many naked women on Instagram, you know, and there's, there's so many options in the world. And then there's also the drugs and there's also the gambling and there's the hookers and there's the prostitute there's the marijuana there's the <laughs> there's the weed and there's just so many things happening in the world and that's basically in my this is how i say it it's like it's a sinner's world and the devil is working and it takes a lot of hard work to be the light in the darkness and it's very challenging to not be a sinner you know because sin, being a sinner go partying go getting drunk like you know, having, I'm sorry, like having like an OnlyFans and like showing your body half naked, twerking, whatever. That's easy stuff. That's easy. But the real challenge in life now I see is walking with God. It's leaving all your sins and all your brokenness and all your trauma in the past and giving it to God and walking in just like a more peaceful, fulfilled life because that's the only way you guys will get fulfilled and truly be happy with who you are inside. And that's how I am. Like I feel, I, I have my moments. I'm not perfect. I have my dark moments, but it's so much, it's so much easier, you know, knowing that I have God on my side, even when I'm going through a struggle, even when I'm going through a battle, it's like, I know that I'm not going alone. I know that I have God walking through all of it with me. And I know this is so crazy, but the other day I had an MRI and I was so scared of the MRI because you're in this like little tube and you get really claustrophobic and, you know, luck, luckily I was like face down, but I just remember when they put me in the MRI and my mind was just like, I was in space. Like I thought I was going to throw up and I was just like, you know what? Like God is with me. Like God is good. And I just like pictured God just like literally rubbing my back and in an MRI with all these noises going rah, 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 like literally they're so loud. Your girl fell asleep and they woke me up and I'm like, oh my God, you guys are done. And they're like, yeah. And they were so shocked that I fell asleep. And I told my girl, I was like, yeah, I just felt like God like rubbing my back and he put me to sleep and he was with me. And it's just, I felt 
such a presence and it was just so powerful and so beautiful because i'm telling you right now if he wasn't beside me i probably would have squeezed that thing and i probably would have been like no get me out i can't do this i can't do it like five times but they were so shocked how like they were so surprised how i fell asleep in an mri and i just like i said i was just like i just give god all the glory so we're gonna close this out finally mm-hmm. right we're not gonna make this two hours long guys. no we got somewhere to go <laughs> we do i know we have we're going on an adventure they say that if you guys want a long lasting relationship you guys got to do fun stuff together i'm ready to go we stayed we stayed home all day yesterday mm-hmm. yeah we did we did absolutely nothing all day the only physical exercise we got was walking Enzo. And if we didn't have Enzo, we probably would have not seen daylight. But we ordered food and we did all that. So now we're ready to go. So right now it's Sunday, but I did say happy Monday because I will be posting this on Monday. But I just want to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for all the amazing messages. I love reading them. Mike's, Mike loves reading them. Like It really motivates us. We love talking about your situations and giving you guys opinions. And we, I'm definitely going to do a Q&A. So look out for that. I would love to answer all of your questions. So until next time, we love you guys. We hope you have an amazing week. And we will see you next Monday. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bring Back Femininity podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and follow. And if you want more people part of this femininity journey, please share. You never know who needs to hear it. Stay tuned every Monday for a new episode. Till next time.